It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a single three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a single three-pointer shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat. Buddy, I'm about as happy as Pierre Maguire whenever he gets to say the full first name of anybody playing ice hockey. How are you feeling today? Doing good. I'm feeling well. Uh, I had a birthday this weekend, so I'm a touch exhausted, Mm -hmm. ready for a nap. (laughs) And by nap, I mean a good night's sleep because it is 10.30 p.m. And uh, we just beat the Rangers, oh, God, 5? 5-1. They scared me a little when they decided to score three goals in a minute. And I didn't know how to feel. But everything was okay. I mean, Keith Kincaid is not Brian Elliott. So I I think we were okay. Well, they did a really good job against the Rangers scoring three goals in 61 seconds, only topping their three goals in 71 seconds that they scored against the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday. But we all know how that Thursday game turned out. Luckily, the Penguins were able to get their crap together and keep the momentum that they built on that 5-1 to one victory on Sunday. We'll be talking about those three games, of course, the, the three-game series with the Philadelphia Flyers that the Penguins were able to eke out a 2-1 to one series win And then they were able to follow that up with a win on Sunday night, their best win of the season. And it it was a little costly because there was an injury to Jared McCann. As we're recording, we're still waiting on any news on that front, hoping that Jared McCann is okay. But let's get into the talk about these games. The Penguins now on this homestand are 3-1. And and they've climbed into a playoff spot as of right now. As, as we sit here right now, the Penguins are in a playoff spot, and they're tied for third place with the Boston Bruins in the Mass Mutual East Division. So, Horwat, what have you thought so far of the home stand and the fact that the Penguins are able to climb the standings here in the first week of March? Um, they're important because it's, again, we haven't started playing those bad teams yet. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was really... We came into this homestand thinking we are a supremely average team 
and we kind of need to change something about that. Um, because again, like we kept coming in with win, a loss, a win, a loss. Like we were coming in back and forth a little bit, and then it kind of started that way. We took that big win against Philly, um, the first game with a crowd in Pittsburgh, and then we took what was looking like a pretty solid a second win whenever we went up 3 nothing, uh, four minutes into the game, and then we decided to stop playing. But then we decided to win again, and then now won our first game against the Rangers. So I think we're turning a corner and starting to look like a very good team finally and really hitting a stride. Again, this just has to sustain, but for the time being, I think things are looking good for us. And that's kind of the benefit for us of having two episodes a week is the fact that our last episode came out on Thursday, which was a great episode, and we discussed the win on Tuesday and you, of course, being at the game on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. But if you would have been recording an episode, if we would have both been recording an episode for Friday, looking around Penguins faithful and the Penguins fandom, the sky could have been falling because they had just lost a game where they were up three to nothing. And at this point of the season, yes, it is disheartening, to say the very least, especially against a team like the Flyers. And trust me, if they would have gotten a win on Thursday and taken the first two of that series, that would have been huge. And trust me, right now the extra two points would be huge. Every point is huge. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, they they weren't able to hold it together. They had a rough loss there. It it doesn't help that with those three goals that they scored, they had three injuries basically on every single goal. And and I understand that a couple of the players came back, but we've still yet to see Mark Friedman back on the ice and now it seems like McCann is out with a separate injury, although it wasn't from that first game against, or the second game, I should say, against Philly. It, his inability to stay healthy is an issue because of how good he has been playing since he came back. Yeah, yeah, he's looked so good. I mean, the thing with that Philly series is, if you would have told me going in, you know, I tweeted this, if you would have told me going in we were going to take two of three, I would have been cool with it, considering how Philly dominated us in the first two games of the season. I would have heard two of three from Philadelphia in this series and went, you know what, I'll take it. Because that sounds pretty good. That's not terrible. It's kind of an even series now between those two. But then something about that Thursday game just left an awful taste in everyone's mouth. There was something about it that made it feel like we lost the series almost, when statistically we didn't. I mean, we won the first one handily. Then we got not smoked in the second one. I mean, we were smoking them, and then they decided, and like I said, we just decided to stop playing. Um, And they took all game to get back, and it was a struggle. Like, they couldn't even put up four in the second period. They had to slowly burn us the entire game, it seemed. So, Mm -hmm. and that something just felt wrong about that whole series. And then we won on Saturday, and it wasn't the most convincing win but it was a win. And then we go and play New York and it looks good. So, I mean, these injuries, McCann has been playing so well. He's been one of the better players uh, since he returned from his earlier. He's looked good. I mean, but as I'm also reading Twitter, like, you know, we Friedman, yeah, is hurt, but I think he's like still skating or something. There's something like he seems to be okay-ish, but we just have a fully healthy defensive roster. And he's kind of an odd man out in that situation. Um, But one thing that's good about, yeah, we're losing guys to injuries. How about Evgeny Malkin? How about Evgeny Malkin looking like he's finally figured it out? And that's a huge piece. 
That is a huge piece, especially if McCann's down. It's massive, and I think even bigger than that, the chemistry between Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapitan that has kind of formed and really showed itself over the weekend in those back-to-back games. They played really well on Saturday against Philly, and then on Sunday, Kapitan gets a three-point game, Malkin gets a two-point game. The goal late in the third period was the dagger. It it was what ended the Rangers' hopes, And, and yeah, we'll get to the Rangers game in a second, but... Just those two, the way that they played Malkin's goal on Saturday on the power play, beautiful mm-hmm. wraparound. I mean, that, and I don't think Sid's pass got enough credit. If you watch it in slow-mo, it was right. in the air until literally two centimeters before Malkin sticks. So just a beautiful play there. The Penguins' win on Saturday, I think, is the biggest win of the season. As nice as it was to see the Penguins get a handily easy win against the good New York Rangers team because the Rangers— came into Pittsburgh hot on Sunday, and it was nice to see the Mm -hmm. Penguins shut them down, take the momentum away, and just show the Rangers that they're not quite in the class that they need to be to kind of compete in this East Division right now. It was good on Saturday to see the Penguins be able to tough out a victory against a team that is going to be right there. It's a team that is going to be in your face the entire way through this home stretch. We're now 2-3 and against the Flyers after that game, but I tweeted out from the Iceberg podcast account during the second intermission, listen, this is overused a lot. And I understand that it's overused probably every single big game against a division rival, which this year, as we always note, is every game. But that third period was the most important period of the Penguins season. And not only because of the fact that they're playing the Philadelphia Flyers, who are right next to them in the standings, but the fact that, well... If they lost that game, they're heading into a stretch where it's, yeah, the schedule gets a little bit easier here. But you're heading into a loss, back-to-back losses, especially coming off the way that you lost on Thursday. Then, at that point, you're also 1-4 and against the Flyers on the season, which is a big tiebreaker indicator. And luckily, they go out in the third period. Tristan Jari puts his foot down, plays a really solid third period. Jared McCann gets the game-winning goal again. Still waiting on an update on him, but he gets the game-winning goal against Philly. Great somersault. Probably a somersault was nicer than the goal, I'd have to say. But <laughs> And that was also a tweet by our friend of the show, Dan Kingersky, said that as well. But he scores the goal. The Penguins take it 4-3 win. And not only do you start to wash the taste of Thursday's loss out of your mouth, you're now 2-3 and three against the Flyers. And they put themselves in position to what happened on Sunday, push above the Flyers. And now the Flyers are out of a playoff spot. And the Penguins are tied with Boston for third place and really close to Washington for second place in the division. So that third period could have changed the entire fortunes of the season. And I I know that that is a big statement, but I truly believe it. Yeah, this, this division is so wild looking at it i mean new york's not technically all the way out of it yet they could hit a hot streak which they were in the middle of they weren't they were on a burner um and then they just i don't want to call us a wood chipper yet but i mean we looked phenomenal i think the way you can you can describe these last two games these back-to-back this saturday and sunday as you said the flyers game was the best one of the season and you're definitely and they've been like the best most important whereas Saturday, Sunday looked to be our best played, almost, because everyone was kind of running on all cylinders there. Um, I believe you had scoring from all four lines. 
I'd have to look at the stats again real quick. But I mean, John Marino getting involved. Like Marino looked good in the game. Um, you know, Kaepernick having his three points. Malkin playing phenomenally. Crosby looking, looking old school. Um, it seemed like everyone kind of had their had a pretty good game. Everyone kind of meshed together. Granted, it was with the Smith rather than Jari and Net. And you know, you would like to see that sort of that sort of performance where everyone's on all cylinders. Everyone's firing with your starting goaltender in but if it has to happen with your backup so be it either way it's a big w because you're because your starter played phenomenal the day before so it all kind of evens out i mean i just thought today looked good i think the whole team top to bottom looked good brian dumlin returning so far uh is looking good and you know again it's only two games but we're a step in the right direction everything's coming up Millhouse for the Penguins at the moment, and we can only hope for the best on that going forward. Um, I mean, we still sit here and just still discuss how this team can still look fairly average because we did come into this homestand back and forth looking supremely average, and now we just seem to be turning a corner. Hopefully can just stay that way and stay consistent, especially once we start playing against the good teams again because we still have to play Boston a ton more. And I think we have two left against the Islanders. Yes. Two left against the Islanders, maybe two against Washington. Yep. And Philly, I believe, is three. three. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to look good against Boston. That's going to be the big one, as well as those bad teams. But Boston's going to be an important one, especially because we have the schneid of not winning in Boston since, what, 2014 it was? Or am I just making it? Or am I throwing numbers in the air? No, I believe the last time we played in Boston earlier this season, you threw out the exact date, and I can't remember it, but it sounds like it was probably around the 2013, 14, 15 year. I do not remember. I know it's been a long time. Yeah. But Either way. It's like us in Chicago. It's just been a while since we've done anything good against them. Yeah, and yeah. thank you for correcting me. I mean, I guess the better way to say it is it was the most important game on Saturday. Yes. It was the best game probably on Sunday. And overall, it was just a good back-to-back for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You had both goaltenders play well. I wouldn't say Tristan Jari played great on Saturday because some of the goals were pretty weak. He had trouble seeing the puck on Saturday, Mm -hmm. but... He was able to put his foot down when it mattered most, and that's what you want to see out of your starting goaltender. And then Casey DeSmith yeah. on Sunday, just a very good game, a picturesque game if you're a backup goaltender, and gets the win for the Pittsburgh Penguins and gets over a 950 save percentage. So that's exactly what you want to see out of those two. And Sunday's game, just like you said, everybody clicking on all cylinders. A couple of players got their first assists of the season. I know Marcus Pedersen got his first assist. Evan Rodriguez was able to get his first assist, but the big thing you mentioned there is Brian Dumlin's return. I do want to talk about that a little bit because he returned on Saturday for the first time along with Evan Rodriguez and played two games in which he played over 25 minutes in both right off of an injury, which is the most Brian Dumlin, and nobody said anything, which is the most Brian Dumlin thing you can think of. And here's the issue that we had with Brian Dumoulin before he got injured this season. He was injured last year, and when he came back, we were all saying how important his return is going to be. When he came back, he didn't look all that great, and he didn't look all that great in the postseason last year either. He started off the season the same way, and we thought, well, maybe that injury was just too much for Dumoulin. Then he goes down probably, what, two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, comes back on Saturday, plays Saturday and Sunday as if he had not been injured at all, not even last year's injury. 
That is the Brian Dumlin that we were talking about last year, coming back and being the savior of this team. 25 minutes, basically picturesque hockey in the defensive zone, and that's exactly what the Penguins need. And I feel like with Latang already coming along before the return of Dumlin, this just helped that much more. Latang almost played 30 minutes on Sunday, which is ridiculous. And it was 30 minutes where, yeah, there were a couple turnovers, and they were pretty bad turnovers, but Dumlin was able to recover for him. So that was kind of the classic Latang dumlin thing going on there, and that's exactly what you want if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, because if you can count on Latang to play half the freaking game. Yeah. Now, I get that this was a little bit less arduous of a task when you're up 3-1 to one and then up 5-1 to one at, some, at one point, but at the same time, if you can count on those guys to play that much time, and John Marino can play the way that he did, and Marcus Pedersen can bounce back from the game he had on Saturday, because he had three bench minors on Saturday, which was... <laughs> Right. Awful. Yeah. And he didn't even play well when he wasn't taking penalties. Sunday, I think he had an underrated game. Like I said, got his first assist. He played well. So it's kind of coming together for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not sure how much I trust the Mike Matheson-Cody Cece pairing, but so far it hasn't self-destructed. We'll see what happens with that, especially once Mark Friedman gets healthy, because if Friedman gets healthy, I feel like him and Ricola are very quick to be inserted if somebody messes up. And by somebody, I mean either Cody Cece or Marcus Pedersen. Yeah, and the thing with Friedman is, um, yes, he's looked good in the two games he's played. I want it one in a period, really. Mm-hmm. I want to see him play a little more than just, you know, four periods of hockey. Yeah. You know, I want to really see what he can do. And I get he's got 11 games beforehand, and a change of scenery always does good for a player. So I want to see more for Friedman before I can really stamp him in as the go-to guy in that sort of situation mm-hmm. or a guy to look toward look to a future with i mean i really want to see what he can do before we really step into that role with him um we know what rico is capable of we know he's pretty solid um it's just a matter of him actually getting the playing time where it's we have a surplus of defense but it's an odd surplus of defense i think we were texting this conversation that like yeah we have a surplus but how confident really are you in our surplus? And I think those guys start with CC Matheson. Then you get into Pedersen. Then you get into, you know, Ruedel, Ricola, now Friedman, then Yannick Weber, then Churchman gets tossed in there. Then P.O. Joseph can get thrown in and out. It's and now with Josh Maniscalco being on the taxi squad, friggin' anything is possible, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I get the taxi squad's kind of just, I, forget who was just bumped to the taxis one that put back like the next day but i mean we seem to have a surplus of defensemen and it we can form two nhl i'll just throw quotes around that nhl caliber um yeah defensive units i mean split them up evenly i mean yeah yannick weber and churchman might not be look churchman might not be at all but yeah yannick weber hasn't looked good is he an nhl defenseman though Slightly. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, and there's something to be said about that at least. Like, we could, we could in a way, put together two whole defensive cores and be not bad, but, like, and be, and but not good, but be, you know, a thing. Yeah. Be a body on the ice. So our defensive core is odd, to say the least. Yeah. And with Dumoulin coming back and being phenomenal, step in the right direction. So I did just get some news on the Jared McCann front. He is dealing with an upper body injury per Mike Sullivan. He is currently being evaluated for that, but Sullivan's direct quote was, he's been playing well, it's discouraging to see him go down with an injury, 
and we're hoping he's not out too long. So it does seem, with that wording, I would, in, in my mind, that makes me feel like he's going to miss at least a game. And hopefully for the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's not out for too long because with Zucker already out long, long term, you don't need another guy going out that is top six potential and especially a guy that's playing as well as McCann was. Yeah, sorry. I You were reading off that McCann news and you're right. He's played phenomenal. I was looking at a Washington Capitals tweet that is a Flyers fan starter pack. Yes, um, that, that was fantastic. Holy shit got them uh yeah so i'll leave that be and i'm back on we were discussing mccann's injury i didn't see what happened i Um, didn't either he at one point left the bench for the penguins and then came back and then at some then he just didn't come back for the third period so you you don't really understand what it was i didn't see any any indications of an injury other than the fact that he wasn't on the bench to start the third period but again you really hope that he's all right and if anything he misses a game but if you never that, know. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially considering, God, um, especially if the first man up to replace him is Sam Lafferty, um, that's no bueno, not good. Well, we saw Evan Rodriguez play on that second line, and it wasn't horrible tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. It's just, it's something else watching something like that. Um, I mean, <laughs> Me, Sam Lafferty, Anthony Angelo. What do we What do we all have in common? No a, the same birthday. B, we're probably not all that great at hockey. I was about to say you don't have any goals, and that too. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like. I mean, I guess Ang- Angelo is an interesting case. You kind of just gotta hope for the best. I thought Angelo played a pretty good game on Sunday. He didn't really do anything, but as a fourth liner, he was really good at clearing the puck. And he's really good at possession in the offensive zone. Oh, before we even move on, Mark Jankowski was snake-bitten tonight because he had three premium opportunities. And they were either robbed by Keith Kincaid or it was just barely missing. The blockade. Oh, my God. Who who called him? Please tell me it wasn't Pierre. I don't know. I think it's his Twitter handle because from, like, that one half season where he was really good, he got, like, popular on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that with New Jersey. And then he went to Montreal, and then now he's in New York. Yeah. Um, Number 71, which, by the way, I've never seen a... (laughs) No, his Twitter bio, (laughs) New York Rangers number 71, then, like, the taxi comeback season. (laughs) You know what? I I applaud Keith Kincaid. With that performance, maybe. He did give up two goals, but he played really well. And, like, his header picture is, I believe that's, I can't tell, the top of the head's cut off. I believe that's Ronnie from the Jersey Shore, and the Cavs are here. Oh, my God. All right, so Keith Kincaid, good goalie or not, phenomenal Twitter presence, (laughs) and probably just a fun guy. So I can't hate him. Um, But, yeah, no, Keith Kincaid can make saves still. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what else to do with him. He's such a impressive human being he's big in the stock market it looks like it looks like that's been his big thing recently we'll let you stalk keith kincaid's twitter at a later date let's yeah let's finish off this segment i actually have a a hot take and this time i actually want to remember to clip it and just continue to post it because this one i'm just putting my foot down and putting a stamp of approval on it here where what the 22 and a half minute mark roughly the penguins are going to finish second in the division this year 
Didn't I say that earlier this year? Yeah. The way that this is shaping out, I'm saying right now, the Penguins will finish second in the division. I don't think they'll finish first. I think Boston will be able to take first in the division this year. But the Penguins are going to finish second. And there's many reasons that I say this to, to back that up. For one, 19 of the 24 games that they've played up to this point have been against teams in that top five, which is Philly, the Islanders, the Bruins only twice, but still, and the Caps. So a lot of our games so far have been against the better teams in the division, which means 19 of the 32 remaining are against teams that are below us in the standings, not including the Flyers now, which is Buffalo, New Jersey, and New York. And I know you've mentioned it probably enough times that you could fill out a 1,200-word essay on how many times you've mentioned that we haven't yet to play Buffalo or New Jersey <laughs> on this podcast, and I get that. But I also I literally might write an article about it one day. So. Exactly. I also include the Rangers. We have three more games against the Rangers, and if we, yeah. if we showed anything Sunday night is that, listen, that team is good. I didn't know they were only four points behind us in the standings going into Saturday or Sunday, but at yeah. the same time, I don't think they're quite ready to contend for a playoff spot yet. So if you look at that also, how many games have each of the top five teams played against those bottom three there, Buffalo, New Jersey, and the Rangers? Washington has played 10 games against them so far. 10 already of the 24 games you're going to play against them. The Islanders have played them 11 times. Boston and Philly have each played them eight. We've played five, and all of them were against the Rangers. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe by the time we get to Buffalo, maybe Jack Eichel's traded, and we don't even have to worry about Jack Eichel. Maybe Taylor Hall's Because traded. they're dumpster fire of an organization. Who knows? That. That's, I mean, yeah, I like how you said they're going to finish second, which is right where I had them, and mm-hmm. I think I had a lot of people laughing at me. You did. But then, but then a lot more people laughed at me when I said Winnipeg might win the North. Which yeah. they might finish second, actually. Who knows? They're the, the only other right decent now. team up there. <laughs> but the North is old. The North is a dumpster fire. A, a little bit, yeah. But not only because of that, but because Pittsburgh themselves are historically a bad early season team under Mike Sullivan. I wrote an article about this before the season, saying, "Listen, fifty-six games might be in the sweet spot for the Penguins because usually their first twenty games, they're not that great. They're." Some good games, some bad games. That pretty much describes the way the Penguins played in the first 20 games of the season. Now we're starting to see where Mike Sullivan's bread and butter is, and that is that middle portion of games from roughly game number 25 to game number 45. And right now that's where the Penguins are getting into that mode. And if they can hit that streak with a lull in their strength of schedule right now, that could provide for a lot of points and a really jettison up the standings for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now also to look at at the record that they have against those top teams already this season, four and two against both Washington and the, and the Islanders who are the top mm-hmm. two teams in the division right now, two and three against Philly. But we already mentioned the first two games of the season, the Penguins outplayed Philly up and down the ice, just couldn't get the goaltending, couldn't get the timely goal scoring. And they are zero and two against Boston. That is an issue, but here's the thing. They still have all four of their home games against Boston where the Penguins played better. Yeah, they only yeah, have two think, more games in TD Garden. Yeah, and I think last season, the Boston Pittsburgh you know, season series went by way of whoever the home team was. I think it was perfectly down the line. Whoever was the home team between those two, give or take in overtime, um, was the victor. Was who won those games. So yeah, that's something to keep an eye out. And that's not only that, but that is a. 
give or take, it is a PPG Paints Arena that will have a crowd. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know what Massachusetts is doing with that, but um, it's definitely going to make a difference, especially in those important games. It seems like because it's a smaller crowd, these should be the guys in the audience who know what is happening. Mm -hmm. They know what every game kind of has to hold. They know what's going on this season. They know that some games are going to be a little more important than others, and they should be able to kind of reflect that out Mm -hmm. while in the building. Yeah, and the Pittsburgh Penguins in their own building are 10-2 and this season. And need I also say the Penguins in their black home jerseys are 10-0. and They've yet to lose in those jerseys yet. So all signs are pointing pretty good for the Pittsburgh Penguins as of right now on March 7th. So we'll see how things go later, but I'm putting my stamp on it right now. It is Sunday, March 7th at exactly 11 p.m., and I'm saying the Pittsburgh Penguins will finish the regular season in second place in the Mass Mutual East Division. And I, not to cut that off, but I said that months ago. You did. You, you, you did. You, you, you made the claim <laughs> at the beginning of the season. So if I'm going to get any any praise for this take, you're going to get way more because you called it three months prior. And I will still give you your give you your praise because, I mean, for sure, calling it at any point. I mean, if you would have you would have said a week ago we would have finished second, I think a lot of people would have been scratching their heads. Yes. That's the way the season rolls, so and let, it'll be interesting to see. Let me also just throw in this caveat. I did make this take before the Penguins won 5-1, to one, so it's not just after back-to-back wins and the best win of the season. I made this take at about 9 a.m. this morning because I woke right. up, felt good, looked at the way that the schedule was, and said, you know what? Penguins are going to finish in second, and I feel like proclaiming it as such on the tip of the iceberg, season two, episode 28 but as we continue with season two episode 28 we have a great interview for you guys as we're going to cut to that in just a second we are joined by kaike of pittsburgh sports brazil who joined us to talk about being an international penguins fan and also all the work that goes into following the pittsburgh penguins from the country of brazil which i give him props once you hear how much he went through at the beginning of his running through this to just follow the team that's a true fan right there. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview. We're going to cut to that right after this. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. 
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We are joined right now by a very special guest, somebody who is the founder of Pittsburgh Sports Brazil, as well as a writer and in charge of NHL Brazil on Twitter. We welcome onto the show Kaiki, live from Brazil. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Nick. Thank you very much for having me here. It's a huge pleasure. Well, let's discuss that. Usually, in these last days, are making us feel very angry, very happy at the same time. Let's speak about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, for sure, for sure. They're definitely a team that you can get ultimate highs and ultimate lows all in the same week and sometimes even in the same day. So we'll definitely get to that for sure. But before we even talk about the team as itself right now, I'd like to know why Pittsburgh? What, what brought your interest to the Pittsburgh sports and specifically to Penguins hockey as well? Well, that started for me Nick, in 12 years ago with the Pittsburgh Steelers, actually. It was the first team from Pittsburgh that I started to follow. The NFL was getting quite bigger here in Brazil during that time. We were getting more and more games on TV, for example. And I stumbled in the, in the, in the Steelers game on TV once. I enjoyed it. I liked the like, team colors, everything. And then a couple of weeks later on, another game on TV. And that ended up being the season where we won Super Bowl, the 2008 and 9 season. So I have watched prior to that like five games, I think. I was already into the team. And then Super Bowl 43 happened. And man, when, when you watch that, it's just impossible not to get like, I got really, yeah, you got thrilled and you got all sorts of emotion in the same game. And uh, the Steelers community were quite, it was growing up here in the country as well. So I made really nice friends from back there. And we were friends until today. Like we have guys that we, we met like, 10, 12 years ago, I even recorded a podcast with the guys from uh, Black Yellow Brazil. There are those friends that I met like 12 years ago. So, And then <clears throat> first hockey game that I saw for real was the, the 2010 gold, gold medal game. I didn't know I didn't know players back there, nothing like that. But I watched the game because a friend of mine told me like, oh, there's this game going on. It should be nice. It's like a, a huge classic. Right, so I saw that, and then, yeah, that game as well was something like, wow. And I dropped it for a while. And then, I think it was back in 11, 2011, I, if I'm not wrong, the Steelers profile on Twitter promoted that a certain guy named, named Sidney Crosby was coming back. That was November. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, ah, okay, let's... Let's check this because if the Steelers are promoting this, and I saw that a lot of people in the city, like I, I used to follow some pages and everything. So, well, maybe this is big. Let's see this. And then, like five minutes into the game, that go. And then yep. it, it just went automatically. So, for me, the, the, the Penguins were that, that day, uh, November 2011. Seed returns, the backhand goal. Then I started to follow a little bit more uh, until, yeah, 2014 was when I definitely started to follow up. Like every every game I, that I could and getting to, to get to know a little bit more the sport as well, other players, uh, other teams. And well, today I, I dedicate a lot of my time to this as well. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of makes sense that you discovered the Penguins through the Steelers because from what I remember... I think the Steelers have one of the biggest like international fan bases in 
the NFL, if not through most sports. I mean, from what I remember, like, I've seen pictures and videos from, like, China, and I think I've seen, like, pictures and videos of, like, Brazilian uh, uh, Steelers fans. So, I mean, it, they're a huge worldwide brand and name, and um, it makes sense that's how it found it. But also, I mean, you said that you started following hockey, you know, obviously a little bit after that, and I just want to know, hockey I, isn't one of those sports that gets around – internationally hell it barely gets around america to watch or catch some of these games um how does an international fan like yourself you know how are you able to take in the game do you have to watch it listen to it or how does that all work out for you yeah i had to as i said it's it's not very common around here uh we have we have games on tv uh like three games a week but the chances that you're going to see your team more than more than like five times a year on calendar TV, it's like very hard. Yeah. If you're not a if you're not a Boston fan or today like a Lightning fan that more games are on because they were the champions and it's yeah. a popular team, it's growing so it's more or less the same. So you had to get, you had to dig in. So I started to dig in a little bit more, reading a little bit more, following people on the social media, and then yeah. You have to go for the games. You watch as, as much as you can, how you can. But most of it, it, it was like organic. I had to go after that. And then I have to say, man, uh, the Brazilian community of hockey, it is, it is a small one, but definitely is extremely, extremely dedicated to what they're doing. We have the most amazing pro, uh, Twitter pages, even websites that does, they does have like a fantastic, fantastic work. And then when I mean work, it's like, it's the design arts for game day results. It's special articles. It's, we, we made a, a series of uh, live broadcasts, like in the beginning of the, the pandemic, like around May, April, we made some live. And that was like fantastic. And the, the community, helped. it's really nice. So then we're having, a, it's growing even more. But it's, it's not going to grow like the NFL did. Today right. here in Brazil, for example, the NFL, we have, I think on Sundays, we have five or six games on TV on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And then we have Monday night, we have Thursday night. So you have a lot, a lot, a lot of games on TV. Hockey is not going to go that, that direction. Not, not for now. But it's growing and it's growing organic. The people are helping the people to get to know more of the hockey. It's not like the TV, the TV they, they do what they can. Yeah, I met and we we know the guys from the the, the TV here that, that make the broadcast and everything, but it's the fans are helping other fans to come in and we for example on NHL Brazil I'll send you guys later on to take to take a look but we made a season guide where we wrote 31, 31 pieces of text on every team analyzing who came who left what this team can like expect here or there so it's 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 nice it's a hell of a job but it's 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 the way we can make uh, it's the way we can make the sport the sport more popular. It's the way that we can make things grow. Yeah, and I always find it super interesting seeing, you know, the sport like hockey or you mentioned football. Like seeing a sport like football grow in you know these different countries outside of America. I mean, there's the England game every year in the NFL, and um, I mean, I know. I guess you kind of half answered this question. Really. Like, I know Brazil is a huge soccer country or football country. I guess really. Um, are there like I guess there is like a ton of American sports fans, not just hockey, obviously, but you're you know mentioning football. Like, is there baseball fans down there? I mean, like basketball, even like, is it a growing sports uh, country for more than just uh, soccer? I guess. 
Absolutely, absolutely, Nick. The the NBA the NBA fan base is huge here in the country. Huge. Uh, just like just like I think it was, I'm not sure when, guys, but like seven or eight years ago, maybe the NBA brought in the the teams to make the how do they call it? It's like the friendlies from the beginning. This is the preseason games yeah, for yeah. the they bring they brought some preseason games here to to Rio. I didn't have the chance to go. I'm not a big big basketball fan. The lack of a team, it's, it's something to me. In this case, I just couldn't support any team at the moment. But it's the NBA is huge. And that started like back in the 90s when Jordan was on his prime. And then you, you would have you would have like a lot of basketball on TV here since the 90s. Yeah. NFL is a monster as well. It's, yeah. As I said to you, we have like seven, eight games a week. And it's uh, every time more access... The teams are starting to, already started to have like uh, Twitter pages in Portuguese, like the Patriots have. I think other other franchises as well. So baseball, it's more or less the same as hockey around here. It's uh, it's from defense to defense, most of information and everything. But we have some really nice guys on TV that does this, this coverage, and they they are big big helpers as well on this. But I would say the NFL and the NBA are the two major ones around here. Yeah, uh, MLB and NHL are a little bit lower, and uh, yeah, I don't see this growing up for now because it's it's, it's as you said, it's it's unusual. Mm-hmm. And for example, the MLB, it's uh, it's really complex. The game is simple, but when you started to get into it, and there's yeah. more and more and more stats every time you look into it, it's different yeah. things. So this takes a lot of time to people to to get to understand why a game takes three hours or three and a half hours. Uh, it's it's getting there someday. Yeah. That'd be cool to see one day, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We are. Yeah, we were in the verge of having a, a football game in in Brazil, I think, a couple of years ago. But we all of that's going on now. The talks have uh, slowly, but there were some rumors about pro ball being in in Rio, for example, or something like that. Nothing very, let's say, trustful. But it's it started from from somewhere. Let's yeah. see how this goes when things get back to to normal. As you mentioned at the top, we're gonna jump into a team that makes us sad and happy at the same time. It seems like. So, Kaike, what have you thought about the Pens this far into the season? Do you think that they're going to be able to be a contender? Oh, man. Uh, since the beginning of this season, I'm, I'm already starting to think, like, we should be moving some t- some maybe in a different direction. Uh, I was not a big fan of the Kapanen deal. I think, in my opinion, we should have kept that first-round pick. That was, for me, it was ideal to keep that. Yeah. We traded for a player that... He's he's good. He he's he fitting with Sid very well, I think, and even with Gino in the beginning. <clears throat> but I think we sh- it shouldn't have been done like that. All right, it was done, and they decided that this score is gonna go to the end, and that's it. So we have to embrace it. That's it. My view of this is we need we need to try to keep this mo- the strong momentums a little bit better. We are not being able to keep a good momentum. We we have like three, four wins. Two or three of them are overtime or a shootout. This is like a joke already. Yeah. Yeah, you know. But the thing is, of course, it's back to back. It's exhausting, etc. But man, what was that last night against the Islanders? <laughs> like that was extremely, extremely. Yeah, it, it was a weak performance. Like in general, Sullivan was like speeding, speeding fire after the after the game. <laughs> So, in my opinion, uh, if if we don't balance this a little bit better, if we if you don't stop losing points, except like the Islanders, 
now is now is the sequence that should be a little bit easier and should be some decisive on getting points. So now we're gonna have after the flyers, we're gonna have Buffalo, we're gonna have New Jersey. We can't we can't drop points. Yeah. That's it. We, we we can't keep dropping points like that. Uh, I understand losing to the Capitals sometimes, but like this this Capitals Capitals team right now, it's a little bit older, it's a little bit slower, and we are getting dominated by them sometimes, and this raises some some questions. Uh, well, it's it's more or less what I think. I don't. I, I really, I I think it's it's uh, it's the tough it's the toughest uh, division definitely. It's the hardest one. It's I think from from one to six maybe or even seven. It's going to be a small, small gap of like four, four points maximum. So every point counts. And now we're 20 games into the season. We don't have 55, 56 more games ahead of us. We have 30, 35. We have 35 games, let's say. So it's a different season. We, I know we are slow. We are usually slow starters, starters, especially in these last years. But I am, I am worried. I am worried because, uh, yeah, Letang is being is being a little bit better right now. He, he, we can see that he's, he's improving, makes some mistakes, but this is, I think this is just the it's the result of being on the ice too long. You're gonna make some kind of mistakes yeah. that a guy that plays ten minutes at night maybe we won't see him doing that. But Letang that is playing twenty five to twenty eight minutes a night, he's gonna make turnovers and etc. And he has been always like this. So I I, I really don't get this. This hate on Letang sometimes, <laughs> like we have to trade for Letang. I I've been there already as well. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I, I'm sometimes sometimes it, some deals would make sense. I I'm I'm open to this. Like when we had this those Gino rumors a couple of years ago, the guys the guys around here wanted to kill me. The guy the the Brazilian fans, but I'm I'm not. I don't want to I don't want to trade Gino, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna be all closed on a situation that could be like. Good for us, like the Huberdo rumors, for example. Come on, Gene is 33, Huberdo is 26, and getting on this prime. So sometimes you have to level some things. But right now, we have this core. It's with this core that we're going to go. And I just think that we have to find this balance. Like, we, we have to find some more momentum and not like win two, lose two. Now we have things against the Flyers. I think we should be able to get two, at least two victories against them otherwise we're going to start to to far a little bit behind on the on the standings yeah i mean it's you brought up a lot of names there i mean it's we've had a very weird team and it's been a fairly average season so far for a lot of people but i mean so far this season who has impressed you the most and on, on the other side of that who are some guys that you might be worried about going into the back half of the season well uh brendan tanev it's definitely the the best surprise as possible. Last year he already played really great. We we saw the Tanev, Zar, and the Bluger line were extremely dominant for a third line. They are back together now. Yeah, Zar has been shifting a little bit in between second and third after Zucker been been injured. But definitely Tanev. Every time, every time we need a, something, we need a, something to bounce back. It's Tanev that is there. He's battling on the boards. He's scoring goals out of nowhere, and uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely it, it is our best player this season. This season so far for me is Tanev, definitely. And uh, worrying me, uh, I think it's more or less um, unanimous. Uh, Gino, so far he, we we need him. That's the, that's the thing. We we need him because 
Seed, seed is always going to be against the best matchups. He's always going to have the, the strongest lines against him. And that's what works so well against, for us because not everyone have, not every team would have two strong lines that can cover Crosby and Malkin. So if Gino is not doing very well, we, str we struggle a lot. And this, is, this even became a joke the other day on uh, our chat group that maybe it was time for Seed to have a little flu and, and Seed for five games. So maybe Gino would <laughs> explode a little bit because last year, you guys remember when, when, we had, when we lost for like six, seven weeks, Gino was like outstanding and was carrying the team and everything. Uh, I think we can, we can wait a little bit more, maybe. But definitely, uh, it's a guy that if he's not well, we suffer, we thrive. And then our fourth line as well is quite lost right now. We don't know what to do with this line. I'm, I'm, I'm a big uh, critical about the decision of separating Tanev, Jankowski and McCann. I didn't understand why Sullivan did that because it was going well. And he just split them up for no reason. And then, of course, later on, Zar came back and etc. But... I think they could have fit that differently. And, well, big question for me regard, regarding Malkin now. Why aren't we at least trying for two or three games to put Gwensu, Malkin, Rust again? Because that line was like fire last year. Yeah. And we, we didn't try that, not even in the playoffs, when we when the only qualifiers against the Habs. Like... It's impossible to understand. And people were like, oh, maybe Crosby wants to answer with him. Like, sorry, I don't see Crosby being this kind of guy because he has shown us many, many times that he's not this kind of guy. He can play with whoever he needs to play. So, yeah, I think Sullivan as well has a little hand on. He has to he has to be a little bit better since with the things that he's messing around inside the our lineups. I think a big part of that is, is you mentioned it perfectly. It's not the stubbornness of Crosby. If anything, it might be the stubbornness of Mike Sullivan of not wanting to break up the Crosby-Gensel pairing. But last year, it's undoubtable how good Gensel and Malkin played together, and that let Brian Russ thrive and become the almost 30-goal scorer that he was last year and really gave him the confidence to be the player that he is this year as well as he's played too. So that's a good point. I, I don't know how long they're going to let it you know, simmer and how important it is for them to make Malkin that player because they have to weigh, okay, we want Malkin to play better, but do we want to take anything away from Crosby? And I get that that's a, that's a decision to be made, but I really don't think taking Gensel off Crosby's line is really going to injure him all that much when in, in the performance category. No, especially if, for, for example, now we lost Zucker and probably for a few months now, but McCann is back, and McCann has played really well with Crosby as well. And then it's that, that's what happened. If in, if, if in two games, McCann, McCann didn't show up very well for two games, and it was enough for Sullivan to just change him around again last year while uh, Gwensel was playing with uh, Malkin and Russ before. when Sid, As soon as Sid came back, more or less. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think Sullivan... He has some decisions that is being bothering everyone later, lately, and uh, I think he sometimes he, he's, he's out of touch when he's doing these changes. And well, like I understand, for example, not right now, Po went to the third pairing. That was for me. That was right. He he, he had some bad momentum in the in a couple of games, so he's not being hurt in the third pairing, and he can can learn from that. That's a good for me. That was a good take. That was a good move. 
but we know that PO is going to come up again very soon because he is extremely good. So, but yeah, Sullivan is, is giving us some headaches as well later on. That's fair. I totally understand that. I mean, I like the ideas that you've been tossing around too with that. So it's uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what we have going forward for the rest of the season. But I mean, beyond the rest of the season, I mean, we've gone over that. But this manager group has said that they're not going to. They're probably not going to make any big splash moves. They're not going to dive into, you know, doing a whole bunch of changes. They're just going to kind of survey the team and, you know, see what we got. What kind of adjustments do you think are going to be made to the team, uh, whether it be player person like players, you know, coaching staff or any sort of personnel going forward following this season? That's a very good. Uh, it's a really good question, Nick. I was thinking about this the other day, like because usually during the last years. The Penguins were like, yeah, we were having a, r a rough time. So that's all. immediately after January, as soon as we had a bad game or something like that, people would start to take would start to say like, okay, deadline's approaching. Jim Rutherford is going to make something, and we we kind of lean on that every time yeah. playoffs were about to to arrive. We had a change. We have a change scenario this year. Uh, we have on, on Rexall. We have a guy that's more patient. A guy that was being criticized for being patient with some of these prospects, some of the guys that he drafted. And to be honest with you, our top six is good. I don't, I don't see us, I don't see us right now moving a guy from top six. Perhaps with if Zucker is out too long, we, we don't know yet, but I, I don't think he's going to come back very soon. That looked really, really bad. Maybe McCann is a guy that could be moved uh, as long as with maybe, maybe, maybe Patterson. And like for salary reasons as well, and yeah. But I, I really don't see these kind of things happening right now under under Hextall, and uh, especially Borg as well now with uh, in his, his new role. Um, it, I I truly don't know how to answer that to you because you know as, as yeah, I said, I understand that, yeah. It, it's it's hard to, to see what kind of moves we usually usually we're like okay defense is not doing really well this time we maybe. Be adding something to defense, but we're good at defense right now. We have we have three good pairings. Cody Stacey is playing extremely well in the last like ten games. This was this was a bigger surprise for everyone. Madsen is Madsen is fitting in, fitting in really well as well. He was heavily criticized at the beginning, but he fits. Peterson as well. Pio Marino. I just don't have to say anything because it's the future in there. So. Yeah. We found balance on defense, which has been haunting us for years now. Our top six is is, is a strong one. Maybe goalie, but like, I don't know. Jerry is picking up momentum as well. Jerry has been bounced back yeah. really well. Smith showed something in the last games he played as well. So, it, I for, for me, it's it's this is what we have. Ex except except if we have a major blow, like yeah. So Wenzel or a guy like that that we, we might lose him for some injury, we could go for a rental. But I just don't see the reason we should make moves right now because we're going to spend something we can't spend. We already don't have a first pick this year, and I'll be damned if we if we change our if we trade our first pick next year again because then it's it's yeah. it's, it's playing with fire too much. We see the Red Wings right now. We saw we see the Senators. We see what the senate what happened to the senators for for betting on the wrong time. So 
yeah, I think we just we just need to fix the issues we have right now with what we have right now, and that's it. I don't yeah. think we can burn more assets. And in my opinion, it's time. If 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 this year things don't work, like I think it's time for next year not to not to rebuild. We don't need that. We're not gonna do that because we we have a, a young core in in parts. We have we have Gwen, we have Marino, Russ as well, and the other guys. But maybe start. It's time to just try to take as much as we can for from Gino, from Sid, and to just start slowly paving the way that, for the next years. Investing a little bit more and drafting a little bit better, or acquiring acquiring some some young talent if possible. Because our we we, we bought some times, so we bought some time in our window now with this very nice surprise we had with PO and the Marino in the last year but we can't afford to think that we're, be, we're buying four or five years more of a window because yeah it's not it's not gonna happen well Kaiki thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate you coming on you had great insight and definitely definitely we're gonna have to have you back on but I want you to do right now is I want you to tell all of our listeners where they can find you on social media, where they can find your work on social media, and anything exciting that you have coming up for Pittsburgh Sports Brazil and for NHL Brazil as well. Well, guys, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's a huge pleasure being being a listener for for a while right now, so it's a good opportunity for me to be here discussing these things we love so much and we spend most of our time on it. And yeah, so you can find us, our work, it's uh, on Pittsburgh sports brazil it's at pittsburgh br on twitter and nhl brazil on twitter as well it's at nhl brazil with the s not the z and right now we have a really special thing going on on nhl brazil it's the international women's month and international women's day are co- it's coming so we're doing a special we're having this special month with posts regarding the influence and the importance of women on in on the sport as well. So it's definitely a good thing to to be eyes on. And we have some more surprises coming on. Don't want to spoil anything, but if people are coming in, they're gonna take a good look on that. Awesome. Thank you again so much for joining us. It was my pleasure, guys. Nice to meet you. Hope to see you very soon. Bye. Hello, my name is Richard Blosser. I am the host of the Grit and Barrett podcast. That's Grit and B-E-A-R-It podcast. A weekly podcast devoted to the Hershey Bears, the 11-time Calder Cup champion, the 26-time conference champion, the 50-plus divisional championship, 80-plus years of tradition in the American Hockey League, Hershey Bears. Each Monday, I talk about Bears recaps, news around the Hershey Bears and the Washington Capitals, and every once in a while some hockey jersey talk and the rest of the hockey world that matters to me. New episodes drop every Monday here on the Hockey Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's Grit and B-E-A-R-I-T Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and on the Hockey Podcast Network. Go Bears! Thank you again to Kaike for joining us here on Season 2, Episode 28 of The Tip of the Iceberg. We really enjoyed having him on, and we already talked a little bit about having him back on if the Penguins get into the playoffs, which, you know what, not if. I said earlier in the episode that they will be the second seed in the East Division, and that is fact now. So they are going to be the second seed in the East Division, and when that happens, Kaike, you will be joining us on The Tip of the Iceberg podcast 
Another shout out goes to Richard Blosser, who is a friend of the show and now a colleague at the Hockey Podcast Network. You just heard his internal promotion a couple seconds ago, and we hope you guys check him out. He is the Grit and Barrett podcast, as you just heard, covering the Hershey Bears. We'll have to have old Richard back on to talk a little bit about the Wilkes vs. Grant Penguins, who have yeah. started off pretty hot to start the season. Yeah, we'll have to absolutely have him back on. I mean, started off as a fan of the show, and he grinded his way up. I mean, I don't know if anyone out there has been listening to his show, but, um, I mean, hey, the grind didn't stop for him, and now here he is in the network um, with a home. For the home for the pot for his pod, so it's good stuff. It's great to see. Congratulations again, Richard. We hope everybody go tune in to the Grit and Barrett podcast. New episodes on Mondays, I believe. So definitely check that out right after you check out the tip of the iceberg. Gotta gotta throw a little shameless plug in there as well. But a kind of hard right here. A quick rest in peace to both Walter Gretzky and Mark Pavlich, who both passed away over the weekend. Two, of course, of the bigger figures. In hockey history, of course, Walter Gretzky, the father of the great one, Wayne Gretzky, and he has his fingerprints all throughout hockey history. So it was a deeply saddened day whenever we saw that come across the screen. And then, of course, Mark Pavlich, who was an integral part to the 1980 Team USA Miracle on Ice team who beat the Soviet Union. So rest in peace to both of them. Thoughts and prayers go out to their family. And we are deeply saddened to hear of the news, but we also would like to celebrate both of their lives as they were great lives in the world of hockey and in the world altogether. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's up yet or if it's been up or what it is, um, but the hockey writers, after Walter Gretzky died, um, a lot of people were telling their own little personal stories, and I believe because it's, and it, it is mostly a Canada thing, I mean, I don't think either of us have Walter Gretzky stories, but um, if you are interested in any of his, like, backstory and just how much he meant to Canada and the hockey culture up there. Um, I believe the hockey writers got a bunch of the Canadian writers together that had a Walter Gretzky story, mm -hmm. um, and they wrote about it. And I'm just trying to find it, but if you have the time, take a look for it. I know that's because I guess you know Walter really meant something up there. Really mm -hmm. meant something to just the people of Canada, and not just for being Wayne's father. You know, just for being the Hum the one of the greatest human beings that you can imagine or doing things just the right way and just being a great ambassador for the game of hockey which is um a big deal so uh yeah look out for that on the hockey writers i'm just looking to find it now and if i do i'll uh tweet it out on my own accord and figure it all out but um yeah it's uh never good news to hear something like that so like I said, thoughts and prayers go out to their families. And as we took a hard right into it, we're going to take a hard right out of it. We asked uh, for some questions on Twitter, and we got one from Richard Blosser. Pretty pretty great timing there. He said, how did it feel to see John Marino finally score? Uh, personally, it felt great, especially because the second he started walking in, I said, you should shoot that. And he did and found a spot open. It was great to see the old Harvard boy get his first tally of the year on a great shot as well going low blocker side it is john o'clock and i i used to watch those videos from at that point it was whatculture.com so I, I love love that little throwback that kind of sends me back a little bit but definitely nice to see john marino get on the scoreboard yeah it, it, it feels like a monkey off the back situation but you know it's something that kind of has to continue. Yeah. You got to hope this just continues. Like, yeah, anyone can score one goal. We saw Malkin score one goal, and 
then what happened and now we it took him a little bit more to get back to mm-hmm. it so give it time for sure i mean it's a monkey off the back to start and you hope it just continues it's definitely a good feeling especially whenever he's a guy that we've been dying to see turn it around maybe this is just the start of it yeah maybe the maybe the turn signal is on <laughs> we are getting to the intersection and enough with my little random spots i'm exhausted i've had a fun weekend well we'll wrap it up with the pens poll here of course our pens poll last week was 20 games into the season the penguins as a whole have dot 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 and the winner of this poll was been all over the place with 45 percent underperformed got 34 percent played at their level was 16 percent and overperformed got five percent i have a pretty good idea of who voted overperformed but we'll ignore that for, the, for this show, at least. Been all over, all over the place is kind of where I, I, I've s- agreed with. Yeah. Because we saw games where they looked amazing. We saw games like the 3-1 to loss to New York a couple weeks ago is really bad. We saw what happened on Thursday. Of course, this poll was basically done by then. But there is a microcosm of it in itself of being all over the place, scoring three goals in 71 seconds, yet still losing a game 4-3. to three. So they've definitely been all over the place. But what we saw... Over the past week, what we've seen in this homestand so far in those four games is they're starting to get to the level that they can play at, and they're starting to play their game, and it's good to see. Yeah, it's the definite answer to this is been all over the place because, I mean, that's all we've been talking about every episode, mm-hmm. just how good they're being, and then how bad they're being, and then how good they're being, and then how average they're being, and then they're blowing three-goal leads. Yeah, they've been all over the place. Every player has been all over the place. Uh, it's effing wild, mm-hmm. and you're just hoping it just—you're hoping they're on the high note whenever, whenever things get important, because we've seen us hit some lows, mm-hmm. and it's not pretty. We at least we've only been shut out once this season. Yeah. That's encouraging. And, and remember when we said a couple weeks ago that we never thought that the Penguins would allow one or zero goals? Well, they still haven't collected a shutout. But hey, only one goal scored on Sunday. We're getting there, man. We're getting there. We can win those horse races. We can win those horse races. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We have another busy week for the Pittsburgh Penguins coming up. Of course, we have the rematch against the New York Rangers on Tuesday in a happy hour game that starts at six, which makes absolutely no sense. Thank you for that, NBC Sports. And then, of course, the Penguins finally open up their season series against the Buffalo Sabres in upstate New York. We'll get the opportunity to see Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall and see what they're made of as the Pens start a two-game set with them on Thursday. But that is it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Horwat, any last words before you go and get some sleep? (laughs) Uh, No, just um, keep your heads up, everyone. We're looking good the turn signal is definitely on we might be in the middle of the intersection on that u-turn things look okay um it's regardless hockey is back it's a fun season all the way around um and if the penguins fall apart you know what there are plenty of teams that are shocking a lot of people right now that you could fall back on i.e the chicago blackhawks look decent right now i.e the florida panthers look like world killers how about it that central division is kind of crazy Next time, I mean, it's going to be a fun little topic next time we do an Around the League segment. It's going, And that's coming up next week we, because we're, after this week, we're going to be halfway through the 2021 season. So we'll, we'll definitely talk a yeah. little bit 
about around the league, where the league is at, and then we'll also talk about some of the things that we predicted for the Pittsburgh Penguins and see how wrong we were three, two months ago. Yeah, I could even pull up. I have a couple stories. I mean, we got um, how many uh, milestones that need to be reached. Mm -hmm. We needed 38 wins for Mike Sullivan to be the winningest head coach in Penguin history. We're halfway there now. Yeah. I think. Yes, we have 14 wins. Yes. No, that's not that's not close to halfway. That is that is not halfway at all. We're both tired. We're gonna call it there. We <laughs> will discuss everything on Thursday and we'll get back to you. He is two wins away from three hundred as a Penguins head coach or as an NHL head coach. So yes. hopefully he gets that in this next week, but we'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.